I wanted to share a tool that I started using recently. And if you're doing any prospecting or lead sourcing from LinkedIn, it's definitely worth checking out. The tool is called Surf and it's spelled S-U-R-F-E. It's a Chrome extension that allows you to add contacts to your CRM directly from LinkedIn. I use it to add contacts quickly, follow my deals, keep track of my notes. And it's actually saved me a bunch of time. The data is always 100% accurate because I don't have to copy and paste each detail from each contact over to my CRM. Instead, Surf does it all for me automatically with just one click. Now, the folks over at Surf have been kind enough to put together a promo offer for fans of SSP. You can go to the link in the show notes and use the promo code JWSURF with an E5 for a 5% discount on your first year. Check out the link in the show notes and go check them out. I'm going to let you in on a secret weapon that's going to skyrocket your sales without the unnecessary headaches that come with using one of the big player CRM systems. And that secret weapon is Close, Close CRM. Let's face it, we've all used a clunky, confusing CRM platform, the one that kind of makes you want to throw your laptop out the window. Well, Close is going to save you time, money, and sanity. Close has all the powerful tools you need to manage your leads, track your deals, and crush your targets. It has built-in calling, emailing, SMS, multi-channel sequences, and meeting tracking. It's super easy to implement, and it's built for your business. You can stop screwing around with CRMs that aren't built for you and start selling and managing your customers today. Use the link in the show notes and enter the promo code SSP15. That's SSP15 for 15% off your first three months. Go check them out. All right, SaaS sales players, it's Jesse. And tonight I want to talk about my favorite subject in the entire world, and that's money. I was having a conversation recently with a friend of mine, and we were going over some different things related to investing and paying down debts and having a runway in the bank that's liquid and available should there be any kind of crisis or job loss or loss of income and how to prepare for the later stages of your career and life and how to get to a place where you don't have to worry as much about money. So he suggested doing an episode on the show on what to do with your money as a SaaS sale, uh, as a SaaS, I was about to say SaaS sales player, what to do with your money as a SaaS sales player, as a SaaS seller, right? And how to manage it, where to put it, what to do with it, how to think about it. And I figure this is a, a really interesting topic and probably a little bit of a polarizing one. I want to also first do the blanket disclaimer that I am not a financial planner or advisor. None of this is investment advice, but I did think it would be interesting to share a few of the things that I've done over the years to help remove the risk around my career so that I could go big. Because I do think that it will help your career if you can get to a place where you have some financial security. That's going to be different for everybody listening. It's not going to be the same for everybody. But if you can get to a point where you have some financial security, you don't have to worry as much about money, you can take some bigger risks. What does that mean? Maybe you really want to join an early stage startup because you see the potential in the product, but you have to take a pay cut to do so. And it's risky. What if the company doesn't work out? What if you want to start your own company and you're too scared to do so because you're worried that you won't be able to make your rent, right? So I, I think it might be helpful to share a couple of things. I've been at this for a while 
And before I even got into my career in SaaS selling, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I don't know that I recommend Robert Kiyosaki. He's a little, he's gone a little bit off the deep end, if you will. But the book itself is really interesting. And that kind of got me into the mindset of like financial planning and financial security and trying to not necessarily get rich. I think rich is like whatever you want rich to be for some people that's like having a Lambo and for other people that's just being able to sleep well at night, knowing that they've got assets that they can draw upon if they ever need to. So different strokes for different folks, as they say. But yeah, I, I highly recommend getting some books on this. I mean, you you could read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think it's a pretty good book. Um, I also, my my old man's a really big fan of Dave Ramsey. Again, kind of a polarizing figure. Not someone that I necessarily recommend everybody, but a few years ago, probably like 10 years ago, I read one of his books that was like all about how to eliminate debt and stuff. So it was when I was younger and it was more relevant at the time. And then I've really been put on to Ramit Sethi, who I think is someone that I would recommend. His book is uh, I Will Teach You to Be Rich or I'll Teach You to Get Rich, I think is what it's called. <laughs> he has a show on Netflix too that's really worth watching uh, where he goes into the homes of these different people, couples and stuff, and they talk about their finances. Anyway, there's a lot of podcasts, a lot of people out there producing content on this topic. So I don't want to, I don't want to overkill it. Right. And I'll add whatever value I think I can add to the conversation. Again, not being an expert. Uh, I don't want to be construed as a, as a finance guru at all, but just as someone who, who thinks that your career will be a lot smoother if you can manage your assets in a way that again allows you to take some risks it allows you to try some new things and it'll ultimately help you sleep better at night if you just know you've got some runway because let's face it this year's been crazy there's been layoffs all year uh, i have some colleagues that are saying they've been you know laid off multiple times this year i don't know that anyone is truly secure right now because even if you work for a top tech company or a well-funded startup, you're just, you're not safe. And the, the reality is in this business in SaaS sales, you really never are. You can have, I like, I think Scott Lee puts it as like, you can have career, uh, career security, but you don't really get job security in this line of work. You're always as good as you're, you're only as good as your last, um, you know, deal. And, a couple of bad months or quarters can put you on a performance plan and move you out. And the risk in this business is always just that you get a sudden loss of income because of either factors out of your control, like a layoff or an acquisition where they gut everybody on the team or factors in your control, but not really like getting put on a performance plan. Maybe your territory wasn't great. Maybe you were going through something personal and you just couldn't focus on hitting your number. These kind of things happen. And if you want to stay in this game for a long time, you have to learn how to, again, manage your resources, manage your energy, manage your money in a way that allows you to keep playing the game because that's what's most, most important. So let's dig into it. Here's a couple of just, I'm just going to spit all these. I have them on a numbered list, but I don't even want to number them off. Let's just talk about some things you can do as a tech seller to start to drive towards financial security and to better manage your money so that you can ultimately get really rich. And again, rich is whatever it means to you. 
you should definitely have a plan for what you want out of your life and career and out of your money. My plan is written down in my phone, just on a like Apple notes doc. And it's got just some outcomes that I'd like to achieve and some specific numbers by a specific age. So if you haven't done an exercise like that, here's my advice is I early on in my career, I would like go out to lunch during the workday, you know, maybe like on a Monday morning or Monday, like midday, go out and get yourself a sushi lunch. If you like sushi and just like sit down, you use a napkin, you can write this on a notepad, you can write it in your phone, you can text it to yourself, you can, you know, put it in a Google doc, whatever, and just write down some of your financial goals. So I might put something like by age 30, I'd like to have X in the bank and I'd like to have X invested and I'd like to have Y paid down or whatever, right? So I'm just giving some broad examples here of like how the format is, but I'll put things like that. I also, I get really specific about health goals as well and fitness goals and some things like that. I also have like a bucket list in my phone of different things that I want to go do uh, and accomplish. Anyway, I'm kind of a nerd about this stuff, but I strongly recommend it actually in my career, some of the most successful people that I've worked with and some of the most successful sellers that I've interviewed on the pod, I've found out later that they tend to do this kind of thing. They sit down and write down goals and then they give themselves like a deadline to do it. So go take yourself out to lunch this Monday. Go get your favorite sushi roll. Sit down and write by age 40, I want to have a million dollars in the bank. And also it's helpful to write down how you're planning to do that or how you think you'll do that. And maybe the million dollars in your bank comes from selling a hell of a lot of SaaS or becoming a VP of sales in a SaaS company and having a successful outcome. I mean, maybe write some details too. By the way, all of this comes from another book that I read probably 10 or 15 years ago called Think and Grow Rich. Again, can't fully recommend all of the content from that author, but that's an interesting read if you have some extra time on your hands and you really want to learn about how to think about money and success and some things like that. The book's really dated. It's pretty old at this point. I think it was written like in the Great Depression um, or shortly after, but maybe worth a read on Audible or something. Man, I'm just a, a walking library of recommendations on books. I've read a lot of books and listened to a lot of books, but I digress. So here's some things you can start to think about especially if you're early on in your selling career, you have a huge opportunity right now. Uh, if you're a young person, if you're in your twenties listening to this, get started right now. You will thank yourself when you're my age and I'm in my late thirties now. And I'm really glad because a relative of mine in my early twenties made some suggestions to me that I, I followed the advice and I'm really glad that I did because looking back now, factoring in compound interest, those were really smart moves at the time. And I know people that are in my stage of life that have not yet started doing things like investing or saving for their retirement and they regret it. Because if you don't understand compound interest, the later you get started, the less you can benefit from the, the, you know, the laws of compounding. But if you start when you're 21 or 22 and you start putting money into investments, it's going to grow. And when you're you know, in your 40s and 50s and 60s, you're going to watch that money double. There's like this rule. I think it's like the rule of seven, which is historically, if you're investing your money, it doubles about every seven years. 
don't quote me on that. I don't know if that's super precise, but it's just kind of a rule of thumb that a lot of uh, financial planners and investment analysts and stuff use. Anyway, here's the biggest thing you can do starting now is learn to live on your base salary and invest your commissions. I'm not the first person that said that. This gets said all the time. I've seen a lot of people talk about this, but it is something that I do. I live on my base salary and I invest or use my commissions. I won't say just invest because there's, um, I'll, I'll get into it in just a second here, but leveraging your commissions in a way that will set you up financially. So learn to live on your base salary. That's really hard to do when you're starting out because if you're like me, and I'll, I'll share this here on the air, my first base salary in this business was $38,000 a year. I made $38,000 a year in my first SaaS job. This is a while back, but you can imagine it's pretty hard. Even as long ago as this was, it was pretty hard to live on $38,000 a year. And it was really hard to, to pay my bills. And at the time, I actually had a, a child as well. So it it was not easy. So the earlier in your career, the harder this is to do. But as you go and you start to get into an account executive role or a leadership role, and you start to get closer to like a six-figure base salary, this gets a lot easier uh, for most parts of the United States, not speaking for anybody on the coast who probably need a lot more than that to pay their rent and bills on the coasts. But if you live you know, in a regular city, 100K a year should be pretty easy to live on. And, you know, what I know is as you go further into an account executive role and you climb up into the kind of an enterprise account executive role, the base salaries can go far beyond that. And it gets easier and easier to just live on that base salary. Then you're set up in this mindset for the rest of your career of if I have a commission check, that money is a tool. It's an asset that's going to get diverted to something invested. And I'll get into some ideas here in just a second, but just build that muscle, which is I live on my base salary. And when I get a commission check, it goes into the savings account. And then from there, I'll divvy out where it's going to go next. Right. And so this is exactly what I do. When I get a big commission check, I sweep the entire thing into a savings account that I don't have a card linked to. It can't be spent. I'm not out buying a Lambo or a Harley or something like that. I don't go buy uh, a fancy guitar, even though that's what I sometimes want to do. I sweep it over to savings and leave it there until the next phase. So let's talk about some things you can do with that money once it's banked, right? So live on your base salary, sweep your commissions over to a savings account anytime you get them. And again, early career, your commissions might only be like $1,000 a month. That's what mine were early in my career. Then, you know, someday you're going to be in an enterprise selling role and you're going to have a $100,000 commission check hit your account. And what you don't want to do is be in a bad habit of like spending that right when it hits your account. I am also a big fan of spending some of it. I think you should go have some fun with some portion of a big commission check if you get a really big one, but I think you should plan ahead. And luckily with big commission checks, you usually have plenty of notice. You know it's going to, you know, you know it's going to hit your account maybe a month or two months or three months after you close the deal depending on the company, but you can kind of plan and forecast for it and have a plan for what to do with it. And look, I don't know how common it is for someone to get a $100,000 direct deposit and then rush out and buy a Lambo, but I'm certain that something like that has probably happened before. And I'm being a little bit extreme here. I don't know if it's a Lambo or if it's people out kind of buying, you know, I don't know, a cabin somewhere, or a beach house or uh, a signed Kurt Cobain guitar or something like that. It, anyway, so what to do with the, the money that's swept? 
Oh, and I skipped one. I think it's really important. And if this wasn't clear, you should learn as much as you can about finance, economics, investing, because this will not only benefit you personally in your, you know, your own wealth building and financial security, but it'll actually enhance your deals because the more you can understand about how money flows through, you know, your own personal accounts is you can start to think about how money flows through companies and the better you can understand the economics of that the easier it'll be to sell to the enterprise because you're going to be thinking about things like budgets and who controls budgets and how they control them and how they account for things. So learn what you can about money. This will help your selling career, B2B, and it'll also help your personal wealth building. So your first step early on is it's kind of a twofer, right? Like you need to do some mix of these two things. If you have a lot of debt, I would try to get your debts paid down. Um, and when I say paid down or when I say debts, I'm referring to like the, the high interest ones, things like credit cards. If you have a lot of credit card debt, try to get rid of that quickly. Early in my career, I had about $10,000 in credit card debt at one point, And I had to work to pay that down because it was really high interest. And that is breaking you financially. And it's going to put you in a really bad spot if you lose your selling job and you suddenly have a loss of income and you've got to figure out how to pay your credit card bill, your rent, and you don't have an income, you're going to be stressed out and you might settle for a job that sucks uh, as a result, right? So don't put yourself in that position. If you have credit card debt, get to work on it. There's a lot of resources out there. Snowball that shit and just get it done. So uh, paying down debts, but also starting to build a runway. I'm going to call it a runway. Other people might call it an emergency fund or a slush fund or something like that. I'm just going to call it a runway. So start with a goal of like three months of your bills. By the way, one thing I also missed was you need to create a household budget and stick to it. If you don't have a budget, you're never truly going to be able to, to be financially free because you're not going to know what's coming in, what's going out. Sit down and do that. You can do it in an Excel doc. You don't need to get too fancy. I know a lot of people that use like Mint and YNAB and all these tools. Nothing wrong with those tools, but you can totally do it for free in a Google Sheets. And if you don't have a budget template, let me know. I'll send you a copy of mine. It is ugly as hell, but it works really well. It's worked for over a decade for me now in managing my expenses, my income. And I've even put a couple of fancy little formulas in there that show me what my potential deficits would be if I were to lose money, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want that, reach out, I'll, uh, I'll get you a copy of it. So personal budget, start to build, you know, so once you have that personal budget, you'll know what's going out. Really document like what your bills are and figure out what your burn is every single month and then shoot to save three months worth of that. And then when you get to three months, shoot for six. And when you get to six, shoot for nine. And when you get to nine, try to get a year. And one of the beauties of working in SaaS sales is this is really achievable. Other industries, this would be really hard to do. So it's important to just acknowledge and be grateful for the work you're doing in SaaS sales because a lot of industries, most industries, most jobs don't have the opportunity to double your income in a year. SaaS selling is one of the very few professions in the world where you can 2x your W-2 if you have a good year. And I know people that have 3X'd or 10X'd their W-2 in a year. So it's all very possible. And despite the kind of recent challenges economically in the, in the world, 
you will have a good year. If you stick with this business, you will eventually have an amazing year. And if you can bank the commissions in that year and not spend them and invest those, set them aside for your runway. If you can put those into the right funds, if you can pay down the debts that are high interest, you're going to start to win and you're going to start to really be able to sleep at night knowing you've got plenty of runway, plenty of gas in the tank, even if you were to lose your job. And by the way, this I, I referenced it a minute ago, but you put yourself in a position where you don't have to settle for a subpar job. You can take, you can hold out for the right role because you just know you have gas in the tank. So let's see, household budget, three to six months of runway, make that liquid. Don't put that somewhere where you can't, you know, some people I've heard will put like their six month runway in like a, in like a, a mutual fund or something like that. I, I would recommend keeping it in cash. Um, now you don't want to go too crazy. I don't, I don't think most people want to have like five years of runway in a savings account because then you're letting, uh, you're letting inflation basically torch some of that money because it's not gaining any value sitting in cash in a savings account. So that's why I say shoot for three months, get there and then go to six months. Then when you get to six months, go to nine and then 12 and then maybe at 12 months of, of runway, you can you know reassess uh, what to do next and and how you want to manage risk in your money, but definitely when you get to like the six month point, maybe even before, I'd def I'd consider investing in retirement and something longer term. My favorite vehicle in finance, and again, I'm not a financial advisor, just a concerned citizen and someone who thinks this is a really good deal and and. I don't know what exists outside of the US. So for anyone listening outside of the US, you'll have to research what the equivalent is in your country. But for the US listeners, the Roth IRA is one of the best deals in, in, in finance. It's a really, really cool vehicle. It allows you to grow your money tax-free here in the US. And you can contribute, I think it's up to like $6,500 a year, grows tax-free. You park that money in a fund, a mutual fund or an ETF, you can go research what those are, but you can just kind of set it and forget it, right? So you're just auto investing to max it out every year. And then all of the gains or the dividends from that fund get reinvested back into the fund. So it's growing, it's compounding because all of your dividends are getting reinvested back in. And what you'll find is you'll, you know, kind of forget about it. And then you'll look back a few years and say, holy cow, that thing started out with maybe a little bit of money in it and putting a little bit of money into it every month. And now, you know, I have hundreds of thousands of dollars saved and it's growing still because the dividends keep compounding. They keep getting bigger and then they get reinvested and it grows. Another way to do this is with drip stocks. If you haven't heard of drip stocks, I think that's, uh, it stands for dividend reinvestment plans. So there's certain stocks that pay a dividend, usually big blue chip type companies like AT&T and Verizon. And I'm trying to think of some other ones that are really good ones. Um, like larger companies will pay a dividend. So you can buy a bunch of shares of that stock and just hold them and reinvest those dividends. And then your, you know, your footprint grows, right? Your, your balance grows as those dividends get reinvested. So start to think about investing for the long-term retirement plans. If your company has a 401k, especially with a match, I would definitely take advantage of that if you can. And then, uh, yeah, stocks, you can buy individual stocks, you can buy drip stocks. If you care to trade stocks, you can look into that. There's, of course, other investment vehicles besides stocks and mutual funds. 
I'm not going to get too far into those. Again, I'm not an, uh, uh, an advisor or anything like that on this front, but you know, getting into things like real estate, they can be risky, but um, in the right financial situation, you can start to think about how to continue investing in things. You can invest in startup companies. You can invest in things you understand and know that was Warren Buffett's advice. So as you get more uh, embedded in the tech industry, you'll start to see some trends and things like that. And you might find some areas where you can continue to invest. One of the things I wrote down here was like thinking of credit cards as a tool. I don't think people should forego having a credit card, but I think you need to learn financial discipline around having one. Credit cards are a huge opportunity for a seller because in, in a lot of cases, you might come across a, a point in your career where you're traveling and you can get you know airline miles or hotel points and some different things like that. So you want to have a credit card because I know at least one person who used like credit card points from all the business travel they did to, I don't know, go on their own vacation or, uh, you know, buy a bunch of airfare to, to do personal travel. So just learn to, to practice some discipline with it, have one, but maybe try to use it only when you know you're going to get max points for it. And that's a whole rabbit hole you can go down. So anyway, all of these things, hopefully this is helpful. I know I'm kind of rambling on. It's late night, my time. But the whole aim here is to put you in a better financial situation so you can go big in your career. You can hold out for that amazing job instead of settling for a shitty one. And you can take some bigger risks. So thanks for listening.